Now, it's Gardening Talkback. For our sponsor, Sharp City Gardener, New Home, 324 Derby Street, Newcastle. Call now, 49216216. Welcome back to Gardening Talkback on a Monday afternoon. It's nice to welcome back Scott Sharp into the studio. Scott? Great to see you back. Thank you. It's good to see you as well, as oh. always. As always. As always. Good, good break? Yeah, a lovely break. Very well and relaxed. Very good. So all set and ready for a jam-packed episode of ready Gardening. Ready to ask people's, answer people's questions. Very good. So what have you got lined up for today, Scott? Well, I thought we'd talk about a few things that are uh, you know, happening in the garden at the moment, uh, You know, getting ready for spring and doing some general fertilising. Yep. I thought we'd talk about oyster plants and uh, where they uh, have sort of sprung up in ancient history. Uh, wisteria, it's a plant that's out at the moment and if you like uh, uh, pine nuts, yep. and uh, we'll talk about those as well. Oh, very good. Love a good pine nut. Yeah. And straight off the bat, we've got a Julie from Ellawong, and she's got a question about the Hoya plants. Hey, Julie, how can we help you? Oh, hi, Scott. I have a Hoya plant that's in a small pot, yep. but it hasn't flowered, or it doesn't flower. Okay. Uh, how long have you had it? Oh, 20 years. Okay, so quite, quite some time. Uh, look, yep. if it's in a small pot, it, it probably needs feeding. Now, they, they'll start to flower as it warms up and we you know, go through September, uh, September and October. Yeah. Uh, so, they, 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 look, they're a climbing plant. They're a rambling sort of plant that will, you know, go around the place. Uh, uh, and they do like to be in the semi-shade as well. So, where, where, what sort of situation have you got it in? This is on my front veranda. It's sort of near the steps where it might get a little bit of sun, mm-hmm. but mainly sort of shade. Yeah, no, that, that sounds pretty good for it. Uh, look, do you fertilise it at all? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, the poor, <laughs> the poor, poor thing. It's, it's been languishing I there. I have the kiss of death when it comes to plants. No, no. Well, look, they are a pretty tough plant. I mean, that's, that's the one great thing about them. But, uh, look, it's been languishing there for some time now by the sounds of things. And it, it sounds like you do need to give it a fertiliser. So, look, the best yeah. thing to give it a fertiliser with at the moment is a liquid fertiliser. Flourish is an excellent one. Uh, yeah. And just get the normal one. It's uh, really great for flowering plants. It'll certainly help a Hoya. Uh, yeah. And uh, just start using that regularly. Look, you can use it every couple of weeks if you want to. Uh, yeah. You know, probably in your case, because you haven't done it for such a long time, uh, you know, for the first six weeks, you'd probably do it every couple of weeks. And then you could reduce back to every month if you wanted to after that. And the great okay. thing about using a liquid fertiliser is it gets into the plant very quickly. It's very instantaneous. and But at the same time, you're watering the plant as well. So it's also getting a nice, uh, happy drink. Okay. And should I put it in a bigger pot? You, you can certainly do that. If it's in a small pot, it sounds like it's, uh, the, you know, the potty mix or whatever you've got it in is going to be a little bit tired. Uh, yeah. The fertilising is going to help that. Putting it into uh, some fresh potty mix, yep, that's fantastic. You're giving it fresh organic matter uh, for its roots to spread out into. Uh, the other thing as well, if you want to, every, you know, three or four months, uh, you can get a slow-released organic fertiliser and use that just to sort of top up the organic matter in the potty okay. mix. But, so using that every, uh, you know, every quarter and every month or so, the, uh, uh, the liquid fertiliser, I think you'll get a much better result. All right. Thank you very much for your help. Not a problem. Good luck with it, Julie. Um, Okay. Look, it might not flower this year. Uh, look, it, it might be happy as well. You know, if you go out this week and start uh, giving it nice things to eat and drink, uh, it might be happy and give you some flowers this year as well. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Julie. Have a good afternoon. I will. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, we've got Margaret now from Garden Suburb, and she's got a question about passion fruit. Passion fruit. Oh, fantastic. How are you going, Margaret? Oh, not too bad, thanks. So how can we help you with it? Um, the passion fruit, the uh, leaves are all going yellow, but the fruit is shriveling up on it and just dropping off. 
I feed it with liquid fertiliser. Mm-hmm. I've got three passion fruit vines and they're all going the same. Yeah. I, I think at the moment, you know, there really shouldn't be passion fruit on there. Uh, they're just going to wither up as it gets colder. Uh, you know, you know, passion fruit really are a, a spring and summer fruit as it, yeah. Yeah, as it warms up. I wouldn't be too concerned about that. I would, in fact, go and try and pick, uh, you know, as much of the, uh, the old fruit off there as you possibly can just to reduce the stress on the plant. Okay. And then make sure it's being well watered because it is still quite dry out there. And again, like I was talking to uh, Julie, uh, get a liquid fertiliser and start using that. You can actually put it over the foliage of the plant and it will be absorbed in that way as well. And if you I, can... use, I use sea salt uh, yeah, look so... or, Char- or Charlie Carp, mm-hmm. one or the other, whichever one's on special at the time. Okay, now that's... <laughs> you're being thrifty, but sometimes, uh, you know, you sort of get what you pay for in a way. And I'm not saying that those products aren't good, but they are really only specific for the root system of plants so with, right. a, with a big leafy plant like passion fruit you want it to uh, you know get lots of leaves on there and then lots of fruit so you're really only feeding the root system when you're using charlie carp and sea sol on there right. so you need to go and get a more all-purpose all-round fertilizer uh, flourish was one that i mentioned to, to julie before uh, from okay. so look that's a, a great all-rounder the other thing you can do is get, well do as well is get some sulfate of potash and that's going to right. definitely promote the flowering of your passion fruit because you want it to flower so you get lots of fruit on there Okay, thanks a lot. So, look, don't don't stop using your Charlie Carp and your Sea Soul, but use it in conjunction uh, right. with some other all-round fertilisers. Okay, and just pick all the fruit off it. Yes, most definitely, yeah. Okay, thanks a lot. Not a problem at all. You have a nice afternoon. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, thanks, Margaret. Bye-bye. Now, Scott, winter's, what, about a month away till it finishes? That's what I reckon. I've you know, stuck the uh, wet the finger and stick it out, stuck it out the door this morning. And that's so it's, a, it's official? It's a, bit, <laughs> a month away. <laughs> it's, it's like, what's the, uh, in Groundhog Day, the, uh, the Groundhog? Oh, the... Puck's a tawny feel. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah my it comes finger, out and says how many extra days of winter they get. Yeah, my finger's like that. just sort of pokes its way out the front door and we see what happens. Oh, okay, I'm glad it's your finger. Yeah. <laughs> now, what do we do at the end of the month in the garden? Well, it's quite warm out there today, which yep. is a nice thing. Uh, look, and the gardens are driving, you know, I was driving around today, the gardens are looking a little bit shaggy at the moment, so mm. they have felt winter for the last month. Uh, and uh, we've had a few customers ringing up about what to do with their lawns as well because, the you know, the grass has stopped growing. Yep. Uh, but the clover continues to grow, so it's starting to sort of take over people's lawns a touch as well. So the great thing is you can spray for clover right now, and it is a good time to spray uh, because it gets rid of the, the clover now before the grass starts growing. And it just, uh, you know, stops that clover continuing to spread around and take over and creating bare patches in your lawn. So great time to spray for clover at the moment. Uh, Bindi, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you can sp- we've got a little bit of bindi starting to go through the lawn. Yes. It's a good time to spray now. Ideal time. And when, I was going to say, when you use the bindi and clover killer, they're all sort of an all-in-one, so oh, it's okay. going to get rid of both that's, of that's them very for handy. you. Yeah, it is for it's, yeah, it's very handy, isn't it? It's like uh, the old shampoo and conditioner all-in-one. <laughs> it makes your hair feel nice and clean and bright at the same time. Uh, look, what I was going to say about the lawns, though, is uh, if you are going to spray, don't mow. It's you know a, it's a trick for the, you know, the, the young that they always go out and mow first and then think to themselves, Oh, it's time to spray for the bindi and yep. clover as well. But of course, if you mow, there's nothing for the uh, spray to settle on on the foliage of the of the uh, lawn or the weeds. Uh, so you just don't get that that great uh, you know the effect out of it. So make sure that if you want to get rid of the clover and bindies, don't mow. 
you know, go and have a bit of a spray, you know, this weekend or whatever, and then wait a week until you start a to... A week? S- well, yeah, at least that, until you start to okay. see the bindies and clover die. It won't, they won't die as quickly at the moment because it is cold and we haven't got the sunlight uh, to burn the weeds away. So I would be waiting a week. Uh, in the middle of summer, usually after two or three days, you'll start to see the clover and stuff curling up and yep. being very unhappy because it's hot, uh, because there's a sort of salt-based chemicals that are being used. So if you wait about a week, you start to see the bindi and clover curling up, then you can go out and, and give it a crack with a mower if you want to. Fair enough. So does it actually damage if you, say, mow first and spray? Will that damage your lawn? No, it won't damage it. You just won't have a good result. And, okay. and you'll probably be back in whinging at me, oh, this chemical didn't work. <laughs> uh, or you just see me on a Monday and you say, Scott, clip across the ears, that chemical didn't work. What's going on? And I should have said to you, well... Oh, did you mow first? Yeah, did you mow first? Yeah, and that's yeah, the big did. thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I can clip you back across the ears and say, you didn't listen to me, you cloth-eared fool. <laughs> So there we go. <laughs> Fair enough. It's the Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. Any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Mona from Waratah, and she's got a question about camellias. How can we help you with it, Mona? <laughs> I have a camellia tree, yes. and it's on the south side of the house, and it doesn't get a lot of sun, and it buds a lot every year. Yeah. There's plenty of buds on it now, and I know that you've got to take some off so that it allows the main ones that you leave there to flower but at the moment it's not doing that and I was wondering if I could transplant it and when would be the time to do it so it sounds like you've got a camellia japonica if it's uh, flowering yes. at the moment. Yeah, so they're the ones with the big glossy green leaves and the much larger flowers and you say it's not budding up at the moment it's budding but yes. it's not they're not opening they come to a certain point where you can see the colour of the flowers like it's a red one. Yeah, okay. But uh, then all of a sudden, and I want to transplant it, but I don't know when. Yeah, so look, Camellia japonicas, they almost should have flowered by now anyway, so it sounds like yours is running a little bit late. Uh, if you want to transplant it, I would do it now. I, From memory, there's this rule of thumb about camellias. You can actually dig them up and transplant them when they're flowering. That's not a bad thing with them. Uh, of course, just try and make sure you take as much soil as you possibly can uh, so you don't disturb the root system. And uh, once you get it into the position, you want it uh, just water, 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 no fertiliser or anything like that. Uh, they just want water once you've transplanted it. So you're going to transplant... No fertiliser no no, absolutely... in the hole before Defin- no, definitely... I dig it and... No, definitely not, because what can happen there is you put the plant in and it starts sending out all these fine little hair roots. It goes, oh, this is nice. I'm in some nice fresh soil. Ah. And it sends out hair roots and all of a sudden they get in there. And it's like, uh, you know, stick. You know, you've know, you filled up the, uh, you know, the, the sink too hot to do the dishes and you go and stick your hand in there and you go, oh, no, that, you know, that really hurts. And that's exactly what the root system of the camellia will do. Uh, it'll stick its roots out into that fertiliser. They'll get burnt and it'll just go right up through the plant and harm it even more. So just nice fresh soil. Uh, water and uh, if you have to give it a light prune back reduce that bud on it to get rid of any stress for the plant and uh, you should have a good result. Are you just going to put it in a little bit more sun are you? Yes, yes I thought that it's been there for for about four four years and uh, it's not grown any taller and I know that they are a slow grower Mm. but I have two, I have a lady lock Mm -hmm. and it's um, no, it's as tall as the house now. Yep, yep. But the other little one, uh, it hasn't grown at all in the last couple of years. It's still the same size. Yeah. Loses a lot of its buds, and I pull a lot off to make 
that it wants to flower, but it hasn't done so. So I'm just wondering what time to transplant it so I can do it now. You certainly can do it now. And, uh, yeah, like you said, disbudded a little bit. Uh, a little bit more sun's going to help it. Uh, with Camellia japonicas, they don't really like being in the full sun because they've got those big green glossy leaves and uh, they can burn easily. So, yeah, get it into some morning sun, maybe where the sun's coming off at, you know, one or two o'clock in the afternoon and uh, you'll get a much better result with that plant. Oh, good. Thank you. That's not a problem at all, Mona. Okay, bye. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. And we've got Bob from Cessnock, and he's got a question about growth on the gum tree. Hey, Bob, how can we help you? Yeah, um, burls, mate. You know what what I'm talking about? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just just give us uh, some more details there, Bob. Yeah, well, it's a growth on a tree. Oh, yes, Uh, yeah. You cut it off and you turn it, Wood turn it and then into, into a bowl. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. So she's a growth on the tree. I'm just wondering if if you cut them off, you're supposed to paint the tree. Yes. To seal it. Yes. Yeah, so look, any any time you go and prune a tree, and especially a large tree like that, and you're taking off large chunks of wood, it's always good to get some sort of uh, sealing paint. You know, uh, there's a product called SteriPrune you can get. It's a tar-based paint. Uh, but even, mate, if you've got some wood putty or, or, you know, something like that around, that you can actually just seal up the wound because you don't want any cankers or, uh, you know, any you know insects or anything getting into where you've opened the tree up. Uh, so that's always important, especially on gums. Because you don't want uh, disease getting in, into the gum tree and creating weakness in the uh, in the limb areas. What about just ordinary uh, undercoat or something like that? Uh, look, I've, I've often thought about that. I, I don't know that it does such a good job of sealing up the, the tree wound. Look, you can only give it a go. Uh, I think that's why, you know, this product we have called SteriPrune is, is the best because it's this tar-based, it's quite thick. Uh, you know, it's definitely going to form a barrier uh, for, uh, you know, any uh, animals or insects trying to get in there uh, and, and any fungal disease or anything like that. That's why I was sort of suggesting, you know, some wood putty or something like that, smearing it over so you're giving more of a physical barrier. Uh, you can only give some uh, undercoat a try and see what happens. Okay. okay uh, another, another thing you were talking about, uh, spraying. Yes. Clover and that. Yep. Can I spray for clover? and with a different uh, spray to um, winter grass? Uh, so yeah, winter grass, has it come through yet for you yet uh, or not? Yeah, my lawn's pretty well full of it. Right, okay, so I'd, I'd give it a spray. So you can certainly give it a, a different spray if you want to. Uh, I would generally say to you, wait a week um, before you're spraying. Um, but, you know, even a couple of days, just give it a try and see what happens. But don't mix it up in the same spray bottle. I, don't, I wouldn't suggest that. I think it, uh, you know, makes too strong a brew that you're starting to pour all over your lawn and you might set it backwards. Uh, so if you are going to do it, just wait a period of time before you do it. And it doesn't matter either way which way you do it. Okay. Hey, excellent. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bob. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh, We've got Bev from Toronto, and she's got a question about transplanting roses. How can we help you with it, Bev? Uh, Yeah, I've got a a bed of roses, about seven or eight roses bushes in it. They've been doing well. It's all, um, I think they're Mr Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I want to transfer them from the bottom up to the top part of the garden. We live on a hill. Yes. And uh, somewhere in my mind, I heard... If the roses are bare-rooted, that you make a little mound and sit the roots over and around that little mound. But then some, I think they put a, a clove of garlic underneath. 
<laughs> to, uh, it sounds like they're trying to ward away werewolves or something like that. I, <laughs> look, I, I haven't heard of that. Uh, look, if you are going to if you are going to transplant your roses, it is the time to do it now, very soon, mm-hmm. uh, because they are starting to come out of dormancy. And I reckon after the next couple of days, if we have you know these temperatures starting to climb mm-hmm. over twenty degrees, then a lot of roses will start to come out of uh, you know spring out of dormancy as it warms mm-hmm. up. So if you are going to transplant, I'd, I'd get cracking or you know get someone mm-hmm. to dig them up for you. Don't, yeah. don't I wouldn't be worried about your clove of garlic and the mound. I don't think that's important. Uh, just make sure you're taking as much soil with you as possible so you're not disturbing the root system of the plant. That said, uh, with the rose, you can be quite harsh, uh, you know, with the root pruning of it as well. Um, but always... I've got to prune the roots. You, well, you don't have to, but if you need to, you certainly can. Uh, you best actually yeah. prune and cut the roots rather than trying to drag the plant out of the ground because you do far more damage that way. Uh, mm. And as well as that, make sure you've pruned the top of the plant as well so that, you know, you haven't got this massive big, uh, you know, head of rose, you know, mm. on there that we're trying mm. to get leaves and flowers on there without the root system in under the ground to feed it. Uh, so mm. if you are going to, you know, dig it out, make sure you've pruned your top as well. And roses yeah. transplant quite readily. You know, they, they get transported all around the country, but when they're dormant, mm. and that's why I'm saying to you it's important to get in, get cracking soon, and uh, if you're going mm-hmm. to do it, do it, um, you know, quite soon. Yeah, I think Thursday's the day. Yeah. And look, and, <laughs> okay. and if you do leave it longer, you know, into spring and summer, you still can transplant roses, but they, mm. you will have a lot of, uh, you know, problems with them. You'll have to prune them back heavily. There'll be a lot of die back. Uh, so mm. now is the best time when they're still dormant. Oh, good. Thanks for that. Not a That's problem great. at all, Bev. I won't worry about the garlic. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be too worried about the garlic. That's just to keep the... Uh, that's to keep Dracula... Out of the door. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to correct you there before, but I thought it might be a bit too nerdy if I jumped in. Actually, I think I find vampires. Right, that... Well, and I, I think, uh, you know, werewolves, they might have a bit of a. The werewolves got very sensitive noses. They might not like the spell of garlic either. Quite possibly. Yeah, I don't know what garlic does to vampires, but anyway, we'll work it out. <laughs> it's not good for them. Apparently not. <laughs> well, it's Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. If you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Stephen from Georgetown, and he's got questions about clover in his buffalo grass. How can we help you with it, Stephen? Yeah, how are you, Bert? Yeah, pretty well, mate, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I laid this softleaf buffalo about 12 months ago. Yep. Then at the end of summer, I started getting some clover come through. Uh-huh. So I went and bought the Bindi and clover one, I think it is, yep. and put it on using the what the mixture said, and it didn't kill the clover. So I doubled up. Um, what the set on the box, yeah. doubled it up, poured it on, and it still didn't kill it. So I was just wondering if there was anything else I could use. Right. Look, d- d- doubling down is fantastic when you're playing blackjack or roulette, but uh, <laughs> with, with, with the chemicals, don't don't go doing that. That's probably not a, a great uh, sort of brew that you're mixing up. Uh, right. look, the only thing I can say is that, uh, you know, the, the chemicals work like we were talking uh, back earlier to to, uh, to Margaret, I believe it was. I yep. know oh, it was, it was yep. um, this fellow here, Greg, we were talking about um, clover and lawns. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, right they work better when it's hot, um, you know, in summer, obviously. Uh, they work much better when you've got some foliage for it to settle on. Uh, but other than that, uh, look, we usually have very good success with them. Uh, just make sure you're doing it according to the instructions. Uh, spraying it on, you've got some nice foliage there for it to settle on. Uh, you know, if you've had rain 
one day later, uh, you know, you're going to obviously wash that off and it won't be as, uh, as uh, you know, a good an effect right. for you. So it's, it's usually good to have five clear days uh, without rain. Right. So when it's warmer, it's better. Is that right? It certainly is. Uh, that's right. you know that's it. If it's starting to take over now, uh, you might as well give it a, a crack now just to see how you go. But just use it according to the directions on the packet. All right. Yep. No worries. Yep. Oh, look, I'm, I'm a gambling man when I'm at the casino, but no, not when I'm spraying my lawn. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks very Thanks, much, Stephen. Bye bye. Right, bye bye. Before you spray your your clover, yes. should you check it for four leaf ones first? Well, if you're Irish, you should do that. I thought you were going to ask me, like, if, you know, you're sitting on 18, should you uh, get hit for a card to see if you get 21? I thought you were going to ask me a gambling question there for a second. I could have, but... No, let's not do that. not part of the show. <laughs> no. I, mean, I probably would. Yeah. Uh, oh, OK. Uh, look, uh, you can check for four-leaf clovers. Uh, they're more common than I think. Are they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so they're yeah. not that lucky after all. I don't know that they're that lucky, no. Oh. Yeah, kiss the Blarney Stone at the same time, all that sort of stuff. And Fair enough. Yeah, have a pint of Guinness. So they're about as lucky as rabbit's feet, is what you're saying? I believe so. But oh. Poor rabbits. That's a bit disappointing. Yeah. Oh, we've got Anne from Toronto now, and she's got a problem with her magnolias in a pots. How can we help you with the man? Oh, I have um, two magnolias in um, pots, and suddenly they have really sprouted up. Would I do better to get bigger pots, because they have done well in these pots, mm -hmm. or to put them in the ground? And also, one is quite a bit taller than the other. Um, could I chop the tall one off down level with the other, or would that cause problems? No, no, the short answer to that is yes, uh, but... Uh a little bit more uh, information. Uh, what sort of magnolias are they? Are they the ones, the deciduous ones, or are they evergreen like uh, Little Gem? No, I think they're the deciduous ones. They come out in a big white flower. Oh, okay, excellent. So, look, those magnolias, they do become quite large plants in the garden. Uh, look, there are some dwarf ones, but generally, you know, even if they're the dwarf ones, they're still going to become a sizable plant in the garden. The bigger ones, of course, can get to about, uh, you know, six to eight metres tall and, and uh, you know, quite a, a wide girth. So they're not a plant that's ideal, you know, for, for keeping in a pot. Uh, but you can if you're prepared to prune them down and effectively bonsai them into that pot. Uh, so I would just make sure you're well, you know, you're fertilising them nicely, uh, that they're being well watered. Uh, and if you want to keep them at the same size, you certainly can prune it down. Uh, if you need to put them into larger pots, that's also an option for you as well. But keep in mind that eventually that plant is going to get you know, too big for that pot as well because, uh, you know, you'd need a pretty big pot to keep a, a magnolia in to let it get up to full size. So well, you're, you're always going to be... Better. I'd do better, really, to um, put them in the ground, wouldn't I? If you can find a nice spot in the ground, you're going to get a much better result out of a plant like a magnolia. Uh, you know, they'll have much more, you know, resources to tap into down in the soil. Uh, they'll become, you know, naturally larger. You'll get a better show out of them. Uh, if you have got the space, I would certainly put a magnolia into the ground and probably use those pots for something a little bit smaller and more compact. Okay, and it doesn't hurt to cut the top of the taller one? No, no, you can certainly prune magnolias. Uh, look, if you were thinking about putting them into the ground, often it's nice to let that natural leader go up and let the plants spread out from there. But if you're going to keep them in the pots, uh, then you can give them a prune and uh, just make them into a much sort of, you know, compact and nicer shape. Yeah, I think I'll put them in the ground, yeah. yeah. I, I look, I think with the magnolia, it's a much better choice. Uh, mm. They're a plant that can get a bit scrappy as well, uh, you know, in the heat and wind that we get here in summer. Uh, you know, the, the leaves brown off quite a lot. Uh, and in the ground, they're going to survive that, uh, you know, a lot better than being in, in a pot. Mm. Okay, thank you very much. 
Thanks okay. very much, Scott. Okay, you have a nice afternoon, Anne. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we've got, I think it's Jason from Lawn, and he's got a question about pruning avocado and mango trees. How can we help you with it, Jason? Hey, Scott. Yeah, mate, look, I've got uh, a... It's about a 40-foot uh, tall, the avocado tree down the backyard, and the mango tree's probably very close to the same height, and I want to prune both of them back. Uh, the, the avocado does flower and produces fruit, but they're, they're, they're really, really high up in the air and usually just drop. Yep. Um, and they have like a, oh, like a, a, a black spot tinge to them, if that makes any sense. And like those, occasionally you'll get like a hard seed, small seeds throughout the avocado. So I'm just wondering what I can do to... Uh, I suppose stop the black spot and the little seeds in there and secondly uh, when's the best time to prune both the uh, mango and the avocado tree yeah so so with uh, avocados and mangoes as well you can get a fungal disease called melanose which is that black spot that you're probably seeing on the leaves and on the fruit as well it sort of comes down through the blossom of the plant and can spread uh, right over the leaves as well so you need to use uh, copper oxychloride or mancozeb plus their fungicides and you can use those uh, you have to spray them on uh, so that's going to be difficult when you've got a plant as, as large as you have. And like you said, the avocado and probably the mango as well, as they get taller and taller, that, uh, that fruit just stays on the new growth. So it's getting up out of, you know, out of reach for you and you can't get to it and it drops on the ground. You get bats and stuff coming in and, and feeding away on it. So yes, look, it's, it's, uh, you can give them a good old prune back. Uh, I'm just thinking now's probably the time to do it, if you, do it if you're going to. You might still get uh, some fruiting and flowering this season. I reckon it's going to be greatly reduced, though, just because of the timing of it. Uh, yep. But it is the time to do it now. Uh, you know, middle of winter's not good uh, because you can get some shoots coming back up on those plants and then they burn off if you get a, a frost or anything like that. Uh, or it even just gets cold up around your way. Uh, so, yes, look, at this time I'd, I'd uh, have, a, have a go at it now. They're pretty easy plants to, uh, to prune back. Uh, and the avocado, uh, mangoes, yes, I know you can prune quite heavily. Avocados, uh, I think they can be a little bit more touchy. Uh, so, you know, I'd probably be inclined only to, you know, uh, prune, uh, you know, between a third and a half of that back if you want to get it back to a manageable height again. Okay, so a third to a half for the yeah. avocado, but the mango, I can go a little bit. Yeah, well, that would be about the same for the mango, would be fine. Yeah, but you can certainly go harder with the mango and uh, prune it back into a nice shape. And, and look, uh, uh, they, they make nice shade tree, uh, as you probably know. Um, yeah. And they will come back very quickly for you. Okay, is there, is there a best time to fertilise both of those plants? And what would be the best fertiliser to use? Yeah, you can certainly fertilise them as soon as you've finished pruning them. Uh, now's a good time to go and fertilise as we're starting to warm up. You know, any earlier in winter, you're sort of just pouring it on the ground and, uh, you know, it just leaches back through the soil because there's no growth in the plant. So now's a great time to do it. And after fertilising, uh, with those, you can use cow manure. Uh, you know, and if they're large trees, you can, you know, use a, quite a few bags around the, the drip line and sort of till it back into the soil and water it in, and you'll get a good result then. Okay, and what about the, the actual small, they're like a, uh, I suppose, an orange seed inside the actual avocado. Is that, uh, they're just random every now and again. Uh, is there some way to stop that, or is that just a, a, something with the growth? Yeah, look, I haven't heard about that one before. That must just be something with the growth of it. Uh, you're getting a normal seed in there as well? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah okay. beauty. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, look, that's, I've never heard of that one before. I'll do some research about it and try and find out about it for next week, and I'll, I'll mention it. Uh, so it's just smaller seeds growing throughout the avocado. Yeah, they're, 
they're not. They're just a just a hard seed that, or, or something similar to a seed, um, like a small pebble, I suppose, for the want of better words. Okay. In the actual fruit itself. Yeah. Um, so, so I wonder if it might have something to do with the fungal problem. That it might be some sort of deformity that's you know coming out yeah. initially through the blossom and then just staying within the fruit as it goes on. Uh, so look, using the uh, the fungicides might well get rid of that for you, and it's worth okay. looking for that. But I'll, I'll I'll make sure I do some investigations over the next week. Right. Okay, mate. No worries. Well, so if I if I were to prune, say within the next four weeks, that would that would be fine. Yep, that'd be fine. Absolutely. Good time to do okay. it now. Okay. Great stuff, Scott. Thank Thanks, you. Bye bye. See you, Cheers, Jason. We've got Lance from Cardiff, and he's got a question about his macadamia tree. How can we help you with it, Lance? Uh, good day. I've been getting. Uh, I've got the first season crop uh, this year, but uh, a lot of them had uh, grubs in them that have bored into the nut itself. Ah, right. Okay. So that that's. Uh when, when do you think that's happened? That's probably happened when they're still a bit uh, green and soft, I'd say. That's when the, they're, they're boring in there. Uh, so you're going to have to spray at that time. Uh, that's going to be a difficult one because a lot of the sprays that I can... I can't recommend uh, many systemic sprays now to use, uh, So and especially on edible plants. So that's going to be quite difficult. Uh, I would be inclined at the time when you see, you know, the nuts starting to form up and they're still soft... Uh, to get a contact spray like uh, a Malathon uh, or even you could use Eco Oil, uh, which is a sort of a bio-insecticide, and spray that on at that time just to try and keep any, you know, moths or, you know, borer beetles, whatever's laying those in there to, okay. to try yeah. and keep it under control. But definitely do it when they're, you know, fresh and they're green because that's when they're being laid on there and getting in there and doing the damage. All right, then. Thanks for that. Okay, not a problem, Lance. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, thanks, Lance. I think we've got time for one more call today. We've got Greg from Rutherford, and he's got a question about mango and the effect on pets when spraying on the lawn. Hey, Greg, how can we help you? Yes, how how are you, Scott? Very well. Good, good. Um, I have a mango tree that's only about 18 inches high, um, came up from a seed, but it looks like it's dying. The leaves are drooping and everything else. Uh, Someone told me they don't like too much water, and uh, I've transferred it to a pot, and I haven't watered it since. Only okay. about mm, four days. Uh, okay, look, I reckon that, you know, it's very low humidity at the moment. Uh, you know, I haven't seen much rain, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks. Yes. I would be inclined to think that it, it probably is getting a little bit uh, starved for water at the moment. Mang- mangoes will soak up quite a bit of water. Uh, I'd, I'd be uh, watering at least every second day at the moment. Uh, and But make sure that the pot's draining. You don't want it to be sitting in water. You've probably yes. disturbed it as well by, you know, moving it and putting it in a pot. Uh, yes. That's probably made it a little bit unhappy. So I'd, I'd just go and get the water out to it. I wouldn't be using uh, any fertiliser or anything at this time. As it warms up, that plant's going to get happier and happier and you'll get some new shoots and new growth on it. Uh, you know, probably keep it in the pot for another six months or so and then if you want to, you can transplant it back out into the ground. Good, thanks, Scott. And okay. the other question, my friend, was uh, uh, spraying the lawns for bindi and clover. I have a little shih tzu dog and uh, I'm just wondering, you know, uh, does it affect them... What's the ruling? Uh, so, look, with any of sprays like that, they, they're salt-based sprays. Uh, you know, they're not really going to harm the dog. They might just be an, a mild irritant to the dog or the cat, uh, you know, when the chemical's actually wet and sitting on the lawn. So my rule of thumb is uh, when you spray, um, bring pooch inside, 
and uh, until it's dried off. So, you know, maybe, look, it depends on the day, but, uh, you know, maybe five hours at this time until it's all dried off and then you can let the dog back out over that again. Uh, once it's dried, it's not really going to have any problem. If it's wet, it's just going to mildly irritate the dog's paws. Thank you, Scott. Not a problem. Okay. Thank you. Bye have bye. a nice afternoon, Greg. You do. Thank you very much for that, Greg. Now, Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for your first show back in what nearly feel, feels like months. It does feel like a, a month. Oh, a month. Well, yes, okay. So like two months I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has gone quickly, and that's great. It's great when people call up and we've got to, we can answer their questions exactly for them. Right. Yeah. But, I, mean, I think it was Lance mentioned something about the macadamia trees. You mentioned earlier about pine nuts. Yes, I did mention about pine nuts, and if you want to make some nice pesto, yep. uh, you can get uh, pine nuts. And I was interested where pine nuts actually came from because they don't come from you know every single pine tree out there. Yep. Uh, the one they actually come from is Pinus pinea, uh, the stone pine, or the Italian stone pine, or the umbrella pine. It doesn't look much like a pine tree when you see it. It actually yep. almost looks a bit like a, a gum tree because it gets a, a decent trunk on it, and then it spreads out uh, with a canopy. Uh, look, these uh, pines obviously uh, you know native. Uh, to you know the southern Mediterranean area, uh, down through uh, Africa as well. They've actually become naturalised down there. Oh, right. And you just get the the pine cones, and eventually, as they split open, the little seed kernels come out of there, and then you can roast them. Um, look, I, I think the thing with uh, pine trees, you don't really get that many uh, little seeds out of there, so you need quite oh. a few to make it happen. So you need quite large trees in those a pine lot, cones. A lot of trees. A lot of trees to get uh, you know your pine nuts to make your pesto. Okay. That is is that why it's so expensive, then? I should imagine, yes. Oh. Yes, and there's... Look, I guess there's not no greater process in making pesto than many other things, but, uh, yeah, they look, they're very small nuts, and you need quite a lot to... And you get small amounts out of a tree. All right. Scott Sharp, goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. I'll catch you next week. Perfect. Gardening Talkback on 2 and FM. Scott Sharp will be back next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2 and FM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.